some writing. We are the Welcome to part two of Avian Auguries, featuring the rest of our conversation with special guest Juno of Three Witch Way. Just for fun before we continue, I wanted to highlight a few bird-related superstitions. These are from the website of the California branch of the National Audubon Society. Number one, don't become a sailor if you kill an albatross. As superstition states, you will get lost at sea. The Audubon Society suggests that you don't kill an albatross on principle anyway, and I think that's pretty solid advice, because if you've ever seen the movie The Lighthouse, or if you've read the poem The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, then you know that killing seabirds doesn't usually go so well for the main characters. (laughs) Number two. It's a good luck if a blackbird makes a nest on your house. That sounds right to me. Number three. To avoid bad luck, tip your hat if you see a magpie. Number four. Whatever you do to a robin will happen to you, so be nice. Number five. It is bad luck to see an owl during the day. Number six. A kingfisher is a very lucky bird. Number seven. Three seagulls flying together directly overhead are a warning of death soon to come. So next time you're at the beach, keep that in mind. (laughs) Number eight. Sparrows carry the souls of the dead. It's unlucky to kill one. Again, the Audubon Society would like to stress that they think killing any birds for any stupid reasons is totally wrong. Number nine. When a swan lays its head and neck back over its body during the daytime, it means a storm is coming. Number ten. Having a wren around will prevent one from drowning. Just as a disclaimer to listeners... Please don't try that one. Just don't. Just don't try that one out. (laughs) Number 11. A bird that flies into a house foretells an important message. However, if the bird dies or is white, this foretells death. And now, on to the show. Medicaid itch powder. So light, Merlinite. 
black tourmaline. And not the choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. Screw you make a better way. Fighting. But first, a message from our sponsors. Just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. But we do have a donation button on Red Circle if you'd like to help us afford our web hosting for the upcoming year. Or you can help support independent bookstores along with the podcast by making your next book purchase through our curated storefront on bookshop.org. Also, we're excited to announce that we'll be opening up a new shop on Public with some ridiculous new paranormal, witchy, and queer empowerment designs. So be sure to like and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram for updates. And if you're enjoying this episode, consider dropping us a positive review or sharing it with a friend to help us grow our audience. We deeply appreciate your support, which helps us to ensure optimal woo-to-you content in the future. And now, back to the killing. I mean, (laughs) our regularly scheduled program. We are the Mysticagal. Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon. We are the so why don't you tell us also uh, a little bit more about uh, peacock energy? Dear listeners, this is Future Psyche again, and it is at this point in the program that I want to apologize for some technical issues including a ton of reverb going on whenever I speak (laughs) from this point until about halfway into our chat with Juno. Additionally, here and there, one or two of Sister Celine's words get sucked away into the Super Sargasso Sea for some unexplained reason. My hope is that this incident of Mercury and Pisces phenomena won't impact too heavily on your listening experience, but perhaps you can just imagine me as the nebulous floating specter of a cosmic goldfish garbling to you from the other side of a wormhole, perhaps, or broadcasting from the outer limits of of, 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 the woo. Because I don't think we did. We discuss peacocks in part one. I don't before think the so. Mr. Goggle dancers did their no. homage to <laughs> no. the tomato, no. the tomato. <laughs> dance form. That yeah. was wonderful, riveting. Gals loved it. Uh, I can totally tell you peacock energy. I'm very familiar. I so I like love peacocks. I was um, in Arizona where I had that very like spiritual awakening type experience. I was also initiated on Hopi land where I was given like a native name in this whole mess where peacocks were actually native to that land. And I did not know that until um, like after I had that whole moment. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, But the super cool thing about 
peacock energy, in my opinion, is that like generally in our current culture in the, the United States, it's very like women are forced to be these objects of beauty and desire and they have to adorn themselves with like lashes and makeup and like, or not that they have to, but that's like a lot of the pressure and the, the storyline that we're given. And with like peacocks, the boys are the ones that are like all dressed up and like yeah. uh, attempting to like win the affections of another. Um, and I just love that, like how fabulous they are. It's like a yeah. little bit like, yeah, mm. they are <laughs> okay. fabulous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're also kind of aggressive birds. I don't know if you know that about them. They can be very um, confrontational. <laughs> Which, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. They're, but like, it's usually only during like mating season and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's with most animals that they become like extra aggressive during that that time period. Isn't that where spring fever comes from and the idea of, like, the March Hare from, like, Alice in Wonderland is because, like, he was, he was, you know, mad because he was perpetually in the March spring madness. Oh, I love that. Constantly horny to the point of distraction, where it was like, I know that. I mean... But along with the peacock energy, I really like that they are also, I just love how they also represent the phoenix because mm-hmm. they, they shed their feathers and then as they grow a new set, they are reborn. So they also are the physical incarnation of that energy on this plane. And so they're also, of course, a devotional bird as well to Hera, who is my my gold dress. She's my lady. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably why I have such a close relationship with them in general. This is Future Psychia, and I just wanted to add that another bird closely associated with the phoenix in ancient lore is the heron. In ancient Egypt, the heron nesting season coincided with spring planting and the flooding of the Nile. The heron is depicted as being the soul, or ba, of both Ra and Osiris. Also, have you guys seen the, the sculpture gardens in New Jersey? No. No. Oh, so they're beautiful, and they um, do have, like, occasionally a, a peacock there, like, super random. Oh! Yeah. I don't know if it's dead now. There was a long time ago when I went, but... (laughs) I grew up across the street from a zoo and museum, and they had peacocks in the yard behind the fence there, like, sort of with the llamas. And there was always a white one that used to sit on the bell tower, and it liked to scream at the top of its lungs. And instead of, like, the regular peacock call, it would sound... It had, like, a very peculiar call. And so if you didn't already know that it was this peacock, you would think that someone was screaming for help because it really sounded... It would it loved to go on top of the bell tower and be like, help! At, like, five in the morning. 
that's incredible. Can, can I just say, I I don't think I've ever heard someone say the expression, like, across the street, the bell tower. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like... Yeah. Did, did it wasn't a tall bell tower. It was, it was like, like a little... <laughs> Like, like a little, little tiny, tiny structure, structure in okay. the yard there. It was just tall enough that it was a good spot to scream at the top of your lungs, apparently. <laughs> when the sun, as the sun arose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so dramatic. Now, the feathers it. of the peacock, uh, isn't there a myth with Hera and, like, eyes and representing, like, all-seeing kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. The... the so, as we know, Zeus had a little bit of a fidelity problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I think the reason why the peacock, and correct me if I'm wrong, yourselves or the listeners at home, that because peacocks had, like, all these eyes on their on their feathers, they were um, kind of used as scouts, in a way, for Hera. Like, she was able to divinely see through them. How cool. Yeah. Love it. I was like... I love that. Well, it I love like her in general. She's so, <laughs> she's so chic, the way she's described. I mean, a lot of people misunderstand the Hera energy. They just think she's like a bitch and vengeful and all that stuff. But um, she's actually like very kind. She's uh, She was very faithful to her husband with a zipper problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she's like, she's the the goddess of motherhood, but also, like, the home and marriage. And do you know what is very interesting to me? Or she's not the goddess of motherhood, but she's the mother figure. Um, she had children, but never really took care of or cared for them. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you're welcome, you're born, bye. <laughs> and um, I love how just strong-willed she is. Like, uh, Zeus produced Athena out of his head. And he was like, but you can't do that. And she was like, like hell I can't. And then she produced Hephaestus. So, <laughs> who she then hated and sent away because he was ugly. But, you know, we're splitting hairs. <laughs> you know, I feel like she's just very maligned, to be honest with you. I feel like a lot of the myths about her were created by a patriarchal structure that, uh, much like today, kind of casts uh, a wife who demands respect and like the same as her significant other would have and cast them in this role as like a shrill shrewish kind of like you know harridan who is just constantly henpecking away and it's just not i bet you that there were priestesses of Hera who had wonderful stories about her uh relationship with her children and things like that but that wasn't that wasn't scandalizing enough. You know, that wasn't tantalizing. So wow. it was like, you've got to cast her as a villain because obviously there's Harrigan spying on Zeus when he's just, you know, one of the boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, actually, I have a fun fact. If we're going to like, to unify the, the pantheons, uh, the Italian equivalent of the Greek Hera is Juno. I mean, mm-hmm. no relation. But <laughs> um, uh, I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, but the very first temple that was erected in the Roman culture when they were 
mythology based or like uh, a polytheistic society was to Juno. Mm-hmm. That was the first uh, the first temple created. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of love that the first temple was created to a goddess, not even a god. Like, the- yeah, there's like a there's a there's quite a history of um, and we talk about this I think in our Yule episode the sort of cults of ancient that worshipped the mother goddess type of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of evidence for that, and it's strange that it has kind of been covered over and has like evaporated from history to some extent these traditions that involved you know honoring that that mother goddess aspect yeah yeah i think that that happened with and excuse me if i shit a little bit on catholicism that's not my intention (laughs) but um like when you have a religion, culture, whatever, that's willing to um, essentially, like, go around pillaging, raping, and murdering to mm-hmm. say, like, you either believe in our thing or you're dead, then, yeah. like, things change. And, of course, when that belief structure happens around one man <laughs> and that's it, mm-hmm. there's certainly bound to be a shift in the the mass consciousness, if you will, of society which is like a little uh frustrating because it certainly doesn't speak to balance at all i think that even if we were more matriarchal based as a society and we were more like there's much more uh there's much more balance within the scope of the divine feminine the way it's represented versus the way that the divine masculine is presented there's much less um, of a harmonious aspect to the the male energy than there is to the female energy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting that the, you know, the mother aspect in patriarchal religions has to become this very, like, sterile, like, saintly aspect of the mother who, like, hasn't even ever been sexual at all yeah that like her her actual uh carnal aspects have to be removed from her in order for her to be acceptable as part of that divine aspect yeah so much so that like in in catholicism like the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she was pregnant. Like mm-hmm. she never, she was a complete virgin. And then surprise when I, some guy showed up in her room and was like, guess what? You're going to birth the savior. Yeah. <laughs> like that mm-hmm. is so, um, I'm not going to, I'm not shitting on anyone, but like, that's outrageous. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. that's so out there. But I, uh, if what, whatever you believe makes you happy, God bless, like more power to you. That's how I feel. But Mary, Mary was also called the Queen of Heaven, which is a title that was shared with Hera and Isis and, uh, you know, all of these other goddesses from cultures all around the world who had no offense to her, but like much more exciting lives. I feel like uh, poor Mary, she kind of had like, you know, kind of dull 
kind of, I mean, you know, yeah, aside from being, you know, She's, having she the... She got watered down almost. Yes, there was like no... When you hear these stories about... Uh, or, or other goddesses who are associated with aerial qualities, heaven, the sky, dominion of birds, many times either having a bird association or depicted with wings like Isis... Um, you know, they had exciting lives. Isis especially was responsible for, like, piecing together her dead husband. And she was, like, the goddess of magic. And, like, she mm. performed miracles. And Mary, you know, coming from a Catholic background as a child, we were really just taught that she was, like, God's secretary in a way. And, like, you could pray yeah, to Mary to have her intercede and be like, hey, Mary, can you pass yeah. this message on? to your son who's also your boss and be like hey can you like get me that new bmw thank you prosperity gospel like all the <laughs> and then you have crap. mary magdalene who like was yes. not was like probably one of jesus's top disciples you know like yeah. she was it For and sure. then she got removed and was not even allowed to be in the the text that people read like she's not all yeah. of her books are gone out of there so yeah yeah there's um i don't know if you are interested in like so i think like all pantheons are valid and i do find fascination in all of them and there's actually this book called the lost books of the bible and i was like i'm much more interested in the stuff that was edited out yeah <laughs> Sure. And uh, I listened to it on audio because it's available on Audible. Um, I wish I feel like I should have a promo code for Audible because I feel like everyone does. Um, but <laughs> um, the uh, I remember listening to it on there a couple years ago, and I was just like, "Wow, this is really interesting!" Like you get so much more content than in the the way it's presented to mm -hmm. us now. Yeah, currently. Um, but I do think you're right. Mary is kind of portrayed as, like, God's secretary, which is, like, rude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. It definitely does her a disservice because, like, you know, I feel oh, like there was a lot more. It's super tragic. Yeah, it is. Like, Very tragic. The other goddesses that you, that would be her equivalent... All, like you said, they had exciting lives or they had like a full scope of emotions and stuff like that. Like yeah. the storyline of Mary, Jesus's mother, not Mary Magdalene, was very like tragic. <laughs> yeah. 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 You basically got forced into having this child and then, uh, in a barn. you know, right in a barn, which, oh my God, that must have been horrific. What a horrific experience. And yeah. then you know you cap it off at the end with having to watch him suffer this horrible fate and there's nothing you can do it's really you feel bad for her i do you know like absolutely that uh, it was it was it not uh not easy for her but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of more bird bird stuff me too Birds come from dinosaurs. I don't think we discussed that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Get ready. One of you ask me the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, Juno? The chicken or the egg? The egg. Because 
dinosaurs laid eggs long before chickens evolved into existence. Oh, oh I got that it. That totally makes sense. I yeah. love that. I... That's what happens when you get high and lay in your bed and think about things. <laughs> That's, uh, that reminds me of, I think there was an article a while ago that I read about, you know, they found, like, full dinosaur eggs that they were able to x-ray, and it kind of showed the transition that was happening with evolution, where, like, the dinosaur creatures were becoming more bird-like, and, like, it was, like, one of the eggs on the crux of that that change that happened. Yeah, I mean, well, they had dinosaurs that flew, so there was... Yeah. That's always been kind of a thing. And at that time in history, dinosaurs were considered really the dominant species, and I don't think birds have forgotten that. I think that their lineage is uh, very king-like, very regal. And you do find that association. And even in observing them, a lot of them do have that kind of regal bearing. They have that look like the crow or the peacock or the owl, you know, where they are very like, there's a sense of majesty or eagles, you know? Um, it's just very like uh, otherworldly energy. They're like a, a, a species out of time that, um, you know, has this amazing ability to just soar into the skies and see things that most people, see things from a perspective that most people can't, you know, um, and, and never will be able to. Unless they get in a plane, but I mean, that was a modern in invention. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> also, it's, it's definitely not the same experience. There's no way it could be. No way. No way. Um, also, just to go back to crows for a moment, if I may, mm -hmm. um, I think that one of you mentioned that crows like are associated with death, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. But they're also a metaphysical meaning of them is that they're associated with like uh, emotional transformation and stuff like that. Oh which, my god! Yeah. So I think that, as Sister Celine knows, I've been doing some magic as of late which has required some major emotional transformation so mm -hmm. i think that that's uh that could have also been why i was called to work with them in some capacity yeah that makes sense to me yeah it's been like almost a two month long process this this spell it started february 1st so yeah i think it's a very apt uh indicator of where you are in your spiritual journey um, uh, did we talk about migration and like a psychic or quantum sense that birds have? Did we, Psychia? I don't remember. Yeah, I think we touched on We that. did. Okay. Yeah. And did we talk about do, 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 dinosaurs we just touched on? I have some bird folklore that I'm going to squeeze into the episode somewhere, but I didn't want to make... I didn't want to make mm. you two sit through, like, 15 minutes of me reading bird folklore. So I we love bird facts, though. <laughs> oh, how about I should have, between but... birds and misogyny? And, like, uh, we, we've talked about cats and their association with, you know, the feminine and um, 
the, this kind of like negative aspect, like a cat would be associated with like a spinster or a witch, <laughs> you know, but birds too have a kind of stigma when they're used uh, against women to call them yeah. things like bird brained or, or delicate um, like birds or delicate eat birds like eating like a bird. Yes. Uh, I wish even, I could eat like a bird <laughs> <laughs> or like a, a nasty old crow or, you know, mm-hmm. a vulture like a greedy vulture who's, you know, doing that. And even in Greek mythology, you see the harpies are these bird-like women. Um, the sirens are, you know, kind of a conflation between a mermaid and a bird maid. <laughs> I, think they're, I think they're technically called mermaids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, uh, and it's true because we said it. And there is this kind of quality about them i really have always enjoyed harpies mostly because they are like crones who are depicted as being just nasty and they would like fly around and shit on things (laughs) mostly they would shit on your food so that you wouldn't be able to enjoy it and this reminds me of that did did you see that article a while back these um (laughs) this pair of affluent folks who lived in this house were annoyed that a bunch of vultures had come and they had they had like congregated by their house specifically like they purchased the property and then these vultures arrived and they do this thing where they like vomit up disgusting rotted flesh and stuff so they like that's like a big part of their of like eating for them is like also yeah. vomiting things and they were just yeah. vomiting all over this person's roof and i thought to myself when i read that i was like you went and pissed off a witch somewhere along yeah. the oh, way yeah, yeah, yeah. because this, sure. this kind of thing doesn't just happen no. yeah. <laughs> i mean it probably does occasionally just happen but in their case i don't know i was suspicious i would have been too <laughs> I would have been like, who did you upset? And obviously, like, not funny for them, but, like, really super funny for me reading it. (laughs) Well, vultures, I think they also pee on their feet. Don't they? Uh, It's like they pee on their feet uh, because it's like a cleansing thing. It's like an antiseptic. Yeah. Um, And they're actually very, very clean. Uh, Or The turkey vulture will pee on their legs as the vultures don't perspire like humans, the act of urinating on the legs helps to cool themselves in the summertime. I do the same thing. And um, <laughs> it's refreshing. I like to drink pineapple juice first, and I use it as like a body spray, too. I, you know? Well, you know, in certain circles of the New Age community, mm-hmm. um, I have heard of, like, urine therapy like I've people will i forget yeah. what it's called exactly what it's referred to as but people will like both drink their own urine as well as bathe in it i have also heard wow of this. yeah, yeah. i actually Asian met a woman something. she had beautiful skin <laughs> and i was like oh my god you have amazing skin and she was like thank you and i was like how do you get it that way and <laughs> Uh, because, you know, we could always oh, use a dear. tip with, um, and you know where this is going. Basically, oh, no. She used to take her, she used to drink yeah. a lot of water before bed and then 
when she first woke up in the morning, she would drink like a hearty glass of water. And then she would use her first urine of the day to like wash her face with. And oh, I was like, no. I've, okay. Yeah, I've heard some things about that. Well, you know, I can't knock it because <laughs> obviously it's doing something for her. But, you know, I have a, a bit of an aversion to that myself. I have heard of people doing that, not in a witchy sense, but in a like in a beauty sense. I think that was like a, a beauty secret um, that some people do use for skincare. But hey, I mean, I guess it works. All of that to say, this uh, stigma against vultures as being like particularly gross when, in fact, human beings do even more disgusting things on a regular basis. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think that there are two birds that uh, exist in kind of a liminal space that I wanted to just quickly touch on because i do like them penguins. um what, what's that penguins <laughs> oh penguins we haven't talked about penguins uh, no i i wasn't even thinking of them but you're right because of the cold i completely forgot about them they're so adorable we love penguins and they, they have, have a hard road penguins. they do yeah I just... They have it so, so rough. Like, they're cute and Forced to wear a tuxedo all the time. But yeah. <laughs> when you look at their life, it's like, you know, the cold, the even more cold season where they have to, like, huddle together and otherwise they will freeze to death. And, like, just having to dive in the icy waters with orcas that might eat you alive like it's just like constant onslaught things for penguins well there's yeah. so many predators <laughs> that like take advantage of them like yeah. not only orcas but like i think sea lions are one or what or like walruses or whatever the hell there is up there polar yeah. bears like they're always in danger they look adorable mm-hmm. but they are like hardcore birds <laughs> the things that they <laughs> deal with are amazing when you call them hardcore, I just imagined like a metal band and they all have like mohawks and they're like, oh, as they waddle. Yeah. So, so wait, what were the two birds? I completely yeah, so not pengu- I'm sorry. Not penguins. <laughs> not penguins. Although, let me see something because now I, I just wanted to look up something. Carry on amongst yourselves. Because I'm I'm looking Carry something on. up real quick. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what is she? Hello, it's Coffee Talk with Laverne Vaclan. <laughs> <laughs> the Partridge family. Neither Partridges nor a family. Discuss. Oh, Partridges are birds. I think. Yeah, they're birds. Yeah, they're birds. No, I was trying to find a correlation with penguins and Sedna, goddess of oh. the sea and marine animals in Inuit mythology. Um, so what I, I didn't find anything specific about penguins, but, um, you know, Sedna is a giant. This is taken from her Wikipedia page. Uh, daughter of creator god Anguta, with a great hunger that causes her to 
attack her parents, as one does when one gets hangry. And I get it. angered, and Guta takes her out to the sea, and he kind of overreacts a little bit, I think. It throws her over the side of his kayak, and as she clings to the sides, he chops off her fingers, and she wow, sinks to the underworld, being the ruler of the monsters of the deep. So a little bit of a Tiamat connection there. Her huge fingers become the seals, walruses, and whales. But another version of the legend depicts her as a beautiful maiden who rejects marriage proposals from the hunters of her village. When an unknown hunter appears, Sedna's father agrees to give her to him as a wife in return for fish. Sedna's father... (laughs) Sedna's father is a huge douchebag. Um, Yeah. Oh, and it gets worse. He gives her a sleeping potion and gives her to the hunter who takes her to a large nest on a cliff, revealing his true form, a great bird spirit, variously ah. described as a raven, a fulmar, or, or a cocksaw petrel spirit. She wakes surrounded by birds. Her father attempts to rescue her, but the bird spirit becomes angry, causing a great storm. In desperation, Sedna's father throws her into the raging sea. Attempting to cling to the kayak, her hands freeze, and her fingers fall off because of the sea. So that is another little uh, bird and goddess connection. Um, she's not, I don't think, typically associated with birds, but she clearly, at least one of the tales, has a story of how this horrible hunter was a, a, a mean bird. And uh, What is the name of a- that uh, pretend movie that Moira Rose is in in Schitt's Creek? where she oh. has to dress up as like a crow at the end she's like morphing into a crow <laughs> oh my god or a black i'm not sure which oh i i don't know the movie is the crows have eyes three I've never seen that show, but I've been compared to people on that show many times, which I'm I've not been sure how I feel to about. Yeah, it's definitely worth. And so I look definitely <laughs> worth watching. I've been told I was like Alexis. I don't know who. <laughs> A little bit I, Alexis. Yeah, <laughs> um, let's see. Aren't uh, we all a little bit Alexis? I feel like I'm more of an Alexis Carrington Colby. From Dynasty on the I, Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> Juno, since you've never seen the show, I'm going to have to send you the A Little Bit Alexis song. Oh no, there's a song called A Little Bit Alexis. <laughs> a Little Bit Alexis. Yeah, that sounds um, great. I love that. Yeah, there's like a music video kind of for it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a fun one that I don't think we spoke about. The myth of Alcyone and Ceyx, who were from Greek mythology, and they often, piggybacking onto uh, our delightful tale from Juno of of Hera and uh, her correlation with uh, the peacock, Alcyone and Ceyx married and were very happy together in Trachis. Now, according to Pseudo-Apollodorus's account, they often sacrilegiously called each other Zeus and Hera instead of, like, babe. That was, like, their pet name for each other. It was like, hey, Zeus, hey, Hera. So this angered Zeus. So while Ceyx 
uh, was at sea going to consult an oracle. The god threw a thunderbolt at his ship. Soon after, Morpheus, the god of dreams disguised as Thaix, appeared to Alcyone as an apparition to tell her of his fate, and she threw herself into the sea in her grief. Out of compassion, the gods changed them both into common kingfishers, or halcyon birds, named after Alcyone. Um, so, and then another version omits them calling each other Zeus and Hera and his anger, and they say that uh, it is mentioned that being unaware of Saix's death in the shipwreck, Alcyone continued to pray at the altar of Hera for his safe return, and uh, then, you know, she eventually became a bird after jumping into the sea. So that's like a fun little bird story. I love it. We like it. You know, also like to go along with what you were saying earlier about like colloquial uses of birds or the bird or they are for the birds or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, The story you just told kind of sparked this for me where have you ever heard the expression like an albatross? Yes. Yes. And if you think about it, albatrosses are essentially like seagulls, right? Mm-hmm. They're like very similar, which are scavenging birds, but also it's usually used for something that like is your like your heavy, the thing that frustrates or like follows you and again like a negative connotation. But that's for everyone, not just women. Yeah. Because I've heard someone say, like, oh, the albatross of my existence, which also a very dramatic statement, but it <laughs> yeah. was, yeah. It was yeah, Rufus they're... Wainwright, though, so. <laughs> oh, I love Rufus Wainwright. But I aren't albatross, like, they're, like, powerful, and, and you don't, like, you absolutely don't want to have one after you. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. They, you don't want an albatross to, like, kick you in the guts at any point. <laughs> Wait, I thought they were. I thought fun. they were flight birds. Are they not? Let me look this up real quick. <laughs> I was like, because they're definitely not kangaroos. I know that they are large. I'm. I think that they do fly, but I know that they are big. So they're like a very large oceanic bird related to the shearwaters with long, narrow wings. They can have a wingspan greater than ten feet. That's huge. So, like, very, very big. <laughs> I, wow. I wouldn't want one after me. That would no, be definitely not. That's like a condor. Those things are huge, too. Ocean birds. So we were talking about crow symbolism, and you did mention that you were, you discovered your native name in, in, a, in, in Hopi. Hopi in Arizona, it was, was it? On, yeah, it was on Hopi land. According to an article entitled Birds, Feathers, and Hopi Ceremonialism in Penn Museum's Expedition Magazine, written by Marianne L. Stoller, the Hopi have the help of the Kachinas, spirit beings who live with them for the seven months of the year. The Hopi are estimated to have between 250 and 350 kachinas, representing the spirits of all significant living things in the Hopi world, as well as some physical features. A number of birds are included as kachinas. These include 
eagle, canyon wren, hummingbird, mockingbird, screech owl, spruce owl, prairie falcon, snipe, roadrunner, red-tailed hawk, turkey, both Hopi and Zuni duck, and probably others. More recently introduced species are represented too, including peacock, or sun turkey, parrot, and chicken. Many Hopi clans signify their identification with birds by taking bird names. Specific clan legends accounting for their origins explain how and sometimes why they are related through events in the mythological past. Representations of birds and feathers are widely used in Hopi visual art forms. Birds appear in prehistoric rock art in some remarkable layers of paintings on kiva walls discovered at the site of Awatobi on Antelope Mesa. Both birds and feathers used on the apparent Kachina figures are so realistically portrayed that they can be identified by species. In basketry, pottery, and as embroidered decoration on ceremonial textiles, both birds and feathers are highly stylized. The incorporation of birds, bugs, animals, plants, landforms, and other peoples into material objects, in addition to religious belief and ritual performance, is the Hopi way of demonstrating and perpetuating the life force of our world. Um, have you guys ever heard of a sweat lodge? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I got to be but part of that. But let's explain it for the listeners because, you know, yeah. maybe they... So let's... Can you give us a nutshell? That is smart, yes. So basically, um, a sweat lodge is to represent your reaper. That's part of the, the whole practice of it. And they build this huge, like, pyre that, like, burns super intensely and they create this dome that is then covered with like a million tarps and blankets and it's like all tied up and you go in naked <laughs> and you're walked through the four cardinal directions and what they represent and uh because i was on hopi land you would have to start um when you were speaking with aho matequiesen um or some people would just say aho but like Ahomatequiesen is basically like, I see you, but not just I see you. It's like I see into you, like, uh, kind like of like your... Namaste. Yes, mm. very that. So I would say, Ahomatequiesen, my name is Purring Cougar and I wish to speak. And then you would talk about like what was in accordance with the, with the cardinal direction that we were in. So like north, south, east, west in accordance with like sacrifice, taking on, letting go, uh, that type of stuff. And then you crawl in clockwise, and then you you follow each other out in accordance. And when you're in, you're in. There's no, like, getting out or changing anything like that. <laughs> you're kind of, so you're, like, in a, almost like a magical circle that has been cast. In a very literal way, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So what happens is they, um, there was one person that was like leading the ceremony and they would say like, open the doors and bring in 
uh, the elders and they would shovel in these huge, and I'm talking like, I mean, the listeners at home can't see, but like the size of my water bottle or bigger, like rocks into this pit that was dug in the center of the, of the sweat lodge. And the leader would then take these huge like ladles of water from the hot spring that were right there um, and pour it over the the rocks, which then caused this intense steam to like overtake the whole environment within the in the sweat lodge. And you have to essentially like it's a real test of ability to like to see it through to the end. But also like what once you're in, there's no like let me can I just get out? Like there's none of that. <laughs> Cause you're literally like inches from this pit of like fiery hot rocks. Like <laughs> you have, you're in, you're in till it's done. And I think that's part of the like real uh rebirthing process of it. And they're like, if you get hot or you feel like well, they're like, you're gonna get hot. But if you feel like you can't contain yourself or like you're you're overheating or whatever, just rub the dirt from underneath you on your body and get as low to the ground as you can. So during the ceremony, I remember like rubbing <laughs> like handfuls of desert dirt all over my like face and neck. And I came out like in like a new person, but also like naked and covered in mud. <laughs> and exfoliated, <laughs> I would think. Yeah. And then they had these beautiful like bathtubs that had I guess they were probably thrown out at one point from other places and brought there and whatever but uh that were filled with water from the hot spring which was very warm but when you come out of that situation everything feels cold like you really feel like fully I I will never forget that the feeling of it but I also it's impossible to put it into words if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and um each of the bathtubs was filled with the hot spring water, but also with like tons of flowers. I think it was calendula, calendula flowers. And it really was like very nourishing. And then you dipped in there and then you came out and you were pretty stable. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was an intense, intense experience. And my name was given to me the day of the, of the ceremony. So that was pretty intense. We love it. And that was the place that I saw the peacock feathers come out of my arm. (laughs) So the two birds that I was thinking about that we didn't mention are the flamingo and the ostrich. Whoa, Juno. I think we need to take a second to examine your clearly hostile feelings towards the flamingo. (laughs) (laughs) Can we get a rewind of that, Psykeia? The flamingo and oh. flamingos. <laughs> oh <laughs> no 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 no! I was I just had a little fact about them, so that's why I was Ooh, like, "Oh, tell, 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 tell!" Because I can't find shit. <laughs> so, um, do you know why flamingos are pink? No, why? I kind because of, of. I sort of do. What is it, Sakia? Tell me. It's because they eat the pink, pink shrimps, don't they? Yeah, <gasps> they eat shrimp oh and krill, and the amount of iodine <laughs> turns them pink. That is amazing. I didn't know that. Oh my gosh! Well, what I found about them, um, unfortunately, they don't seem to have like a lot of 
uh, presence in any pantheons. Like, there's no goddess of flamingos. Although, she would be intense. Uh, I think. And very flamboyant. And I, I think I would love her. But basically... I think the Celia fl- Cruz is the goddess of flamingos. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. She would make a great flamingo goddess. But... In ancient Egypt, it was believed that the flamingo represented the god of Egypt. Uh, it is Bahamas' national bird, and unfortunately in ancient Rome, it was used as a great delicacy. Which, oh, poor flamingos. I didn't even know there were flamingos in Rome. No, uh, Maybe not know. anymore, but I don't know, maybe. And then the other one was the ostrich. So I wanted to talk about them because they're interesting, along with the penguin, they kind of represent this liminal state in that they're kind of terrestrial, but also aerial. Although, can flamingos fly? Yes. Yes, I, I believe flamingos so. can, yeah. I don't, ostriches I don't, cannot. Yeah, ostriches No, but are. they have gigantic eggs. And gigantic legs, so they could kick you if you try to eat their eggs. Uh, and they probably will. Yeah, they're very territorial in things. Like yeah. emus and ostriches both have an edge, but ostriches are are like very serious. Like you, you should hide if if you're if ever you in the wild. If you see an ostrich, <laughs> hide. You need yeah. to hide because they will brutalize you. It's not yeah. going to end well for you. So the ostrich feather was actually another sacred object in ancient Egypt. So a lot of bird spiritual imagery and uh, its connection to the divine in ancient cultures we see in Greece, but also Egypt, Rome. You know what's interesting mm-hmm. is that in Egypt, a lot of the gods were represented as cats mm-hmm. and ostriches being held sacred, cats eat birds. So <laughs> I think yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Like- but if you line up an ostrich on your typical domestic cat, I mean, I'm going to bet on the ostrich. <laughs> And oh, I'm a cat sure. person, but like I think that ostrich has it in the back. Like they don't even have to work hard; they could do it with their head in the sand. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. But uh, it was a, the ostrich feather was a symbol for the goddess Mat, the representation of divine truth, which included justice and cosmic order, and who helped decide the fate of souls after death. The dead person's heart was weighed on a scale against her ostrich feather, which was the feather of truth. And if the heart outweighed the feather, meaning that the human's life had not measured up, the soul would be destroyed. Those who passed the test by having a heart that weighed less or equal to the feather got to pass on to heaven. The ostrich feather thus is seen as a powerful symbol of truth and purity. And taking on the ostrich into your day-to-day life as an example uh, can be a way to focus your energies on living a just and truthful life. That is, you know, something that Mott would be like, hey, way to go. The Egyptians personified many of their most important gods as birds or having bird-like qualities. Sister Celine mentions Isis and Mott's ostrich feather, but I'd also like to mention that Osiris, god of the afterlife, underworld, and the dead, wears a crown called the Atef. On the crown, the tall, bulbous white piece in the center is between two ostrich feathers. The feathers in this case also represent truth and justice. Horus is the son of Isis and Osiris, 
and he is a god in the form of a falcon or hawk, whose right eye was the sun or morning star, representing power and quintessence, and whose left eye was the moon or evening star, representing healing. The most important of an Egyptian king's names was his Horus name. In other words, the name that identified him with Horus. Additionally, according to Hori Redpole's blog, The Night Jar, The Tales of an Upstate New York Birder, Tote, the Egyptian god of wisdom or knowledge, was always depicted as having the head of an ibis. The Greeks viewed him as being similar to the Greek god Hermes. As Tote was one of the major Egyptian deities, the ibis, like the falcon, was very sacred to ancient Egyptians. I just set up a universal altar in my room. Mm-hmm. So it's not specifically dedicated to one god or goddess or like pantheon at all. Um, instead, it is more dedicated to the elements. And to represent air, I have feathers. Mm. So I have um, peacock feathers. And I think after that lovely little story, I might incorporate some ostrich feathers. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. interesting to me how like, in pop culture, ostriches have been portrayed as this really comical thing, like this like cowardly comical bird. Mm-hmm. But, well, they're very gangly looking. Yeah, they mm. are. <laughs> they're very dinosaur esque, yeah. and but they they actually are not cowardly. And if you think about it a different way, they are kind of regal. You know, yeah, they, that. That, like, honorable nature in ancient Egypt makes sense if you if you take ostriches out of, you know, cartoons mm-hmm. yes. and think about Although, them differently. I have to say, I thought the ostrich Madame Upanova from uh, Walt Disney's Fantasia, I thought she had it going on. Like, she was really stylish no, and she had very nice one. eyelashes. She was like the ballet ostrich, the ballerina, you know, and then there's the crocodile and I think he chases the ostriches away. And then the uh, hippo, Hyacinth the hippo, (laughs) he's trying to seduce her, but also like, I think eat her maybe. I don't know. There's no dialogue in this scene. So it's very, it's very uh, abstract. Yeah, very much so. And then there's um, 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 the elephants (laughs) and they blow the bubbles and Hyacinth goes up into the, anyway, it's not important. Uh, another little <laughs> nugget for y'all here is uh, Semiramis, who is a figure that I've always enjoyed because she is the world's oldest poisoner um, who poisoned her husband. So we like it. Uh, <laughs> we like where that's going. So um, she was the mythological queen of Babylon and... She was, again, descended from a fish goddess. So you see this kind of uh, relationship between uh, the air and almost aquatic, kind of. Because a lot of birds do fly around the ocean, and they have a connection with the water. The water is made of air, also. It's true. There's oxygen oxygen. in there. Yes, yeah. That's interesting because we did... um... We have a video about the Amabiet, 
in yes on YouTube, and the Amaviet had like a beak, I believe, in addition mm-hmm. to being a sea creature covered with scales. Hmm. It's well. the fish and the bird. <sighs> oh, that was the thing that you guys uh, talked first, about around. Yeah. Um, like when COVID first started to yeah. happen. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were doing our pandemic book world. Good yeah. times. I mean, not COVID, obviously, but that was like, it did, it did do, you know, COVID really, uh, it, it brought me back into contact with Juno. That's it right. It got rolling. So it was really kind of a spiritual awakening for uh, for me anyway. And I think a lot of other people. Um, but Samiramis, so was born to the fish goddess Derketo of Ascalon in Assyria and of a mortal. And he related that Durketto abandoned her at birth and drowned herself, and that doves fed the child until the royal shepherd found her. So doves were very sacred to her, and she became associated with them. And the association of the fish and the dove is found at the Hieropolis Bambichi Bambis. It could be one of those three <laughs> pronunciations, or maybe not any. I don't know. Or maybe all of them at once. It's a surprise. Yeah. Uh, the great temple that, according to one legend, was founded by Samiramis, where her statue is still shown with a golden dove on her head. So anyway, she was raised by this older shepherd man, and he also like fell in love with her, which was kind of weird because he was like her dad. Oh, uh, yeah, very strange. <laughs> But then um, this other guy, Ninus, you know, fell in love with her or whatever, and he had the shepherd murdered so so that he could marry her. And then she ends up poisoning him. And, uh, you know, then everyone alleged she was a sorceress and, like, a witch and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, but she, you know, had a very successful period as a queen of her, queen of her land. And uh, if you look at a picture, one of my things by Varje Suenyota was uh, Samiramis staring at the corpse of Ara the Handsome and she just looks so bored and I kind of love that because she's <laughs> like just die already and you can feel it you can feel it it's a great picture anyway uh, yeah so doves are very sacred to her uh, she's also a kick-ass character in a little mobile game called Fate Grand Order and there she also has her little feather imagery so a lot of that's carried over into pop culture we see a lot of bird ladies uh hopping around you know i know that a lot of it is cat girls you know and juno and i sometimes play the final fantasy where cat girls run amok okay but you know birds are making a comeback and contrary to popular belief birds are real now there is a sect of people who are saying that birds are not real, but they are real. I'm glad They're you brought that drones. up because yeah. I wanted to highlight that there's like a tell us about that, Psyche. What is that about? What is what is there... that weird? <laughs> there is a satire account on Instagram called Birds Aren't Real, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they do a really good job with it. It's very entertaining. But it's kind of like, it's sort of like making fun of the other various conspiracy accounts that you run into Mm -hmm. on social media. 
And in this case, the claim is that birds are, you know, a surveillance system rather than a naturally existing creature. I'm perusing this right now as you speak, and it is hilarious. (laughs) 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 Which... And one of their things says hashtag poultry gate, so... (laughs) Yeah. It's... It's a lot. It's worth a follow, that one. Yeah. And it reminds me also, although um, in the symbolic nature it is completely unrelated, but in Twin Peaks, when when they say the owls are not what are not they what see. they <gasps> oh my god yes yeah. owls were very big there and owls i don't know if we touch too much on them but they also have an ancient divine feminine association with lilith who was adam's first wife another and lady excluded and, yeah. and yeah. athena excluded from the bible and uh so we see this as an omen you know um Owls, at least with a Lilith connection, you see them as kind of like this omen of darkness. Uh, She was associated with the nighttime, storms, you know, uh, not giving in to... And the whole reason that, you know, basically, for anyone who doesn't know the story of Lilith, she didn't want to do missionary sex anymore with Adam because it was boring for her. And so she thought she would... You know that new song from Ariana Grande, Switching Up the Positions on You? Well, it was like that. And it was, she wanted to do that, and he wouldn't let her. And he, he was very nasty about it. And he went to God and said, You know, she's not working out. And then she was cast away. To show an intersectionality of mythos again, Pandora is essentially the Lilith of that mythos. Oh, yeah. It's presented in a different way, but very much like the headstrong woman, the the one that, like, fucks the system. Mm -hmm. And then she is, of course, blamed for all the ills of the world. Yeah, (laughs) scapegoat, really. And Lilith's name can actually be translated into Screech Owl, uh, according to some interpretations of it so there's a very strong kind of you know bad news bears type and bad news birds type energy (laughs) about uh you know women who are just kind of like outspoken i would say strange we say if we say that cats and the misogynistic uh application of the cat image as like uh being a symbol of like female conniving or seduction or aloofness then i think for the birds it becomes a symbol of like shriek shrill outspoken uh talking back it's very in the realm of air which is associated with communication and uh really just kind of like and the queen of swords type energy it's always considered bad when women have their own thoughts (laughs) right which Historically. Was why Hera was so stigmatized. And Lilith. They they were both very uh, bird-like energy bearers of, of this bird-like uh, attribution. And they were both seen as these kind of like shrewish nags. And they were really, when taken from a modern context, they were really just like demanding equal rights. They were not even demanding. They were just making a point of saying, listen, what you're doing here, I don't like. 
you know, can you stop that? Could you yeah. please? And then it was like, oh, God, here she goes again with her shit. Well, also, <laughs> um, birds are one of the, I don't know if you covered this in the previous portion of this, but birds are one of the notes, essentially, of witchcraft. It was mm-hmm. the bird, the book, and the bell, like bird, book, and bell were the three indicators originally. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that either. That's wild. Oh, yeah. I love That's that. That's why in, uh, in Practical Magic, they make a reference to it when she goes, get the bird, and she goes, get the book. <laughs> mm. And you know what? I had a friend who used to say that expression, get the bird. And I remember saying to her, I'm like, Hope, what does that mean? And she's like, you never heard that? Get the bird. Like, So I started saying that. And um, it, it, it you mean <laughs> like, you know. That's in our trailer. <laughs> yeah, get the bird. I think I you did say, say get the bird, the bird, didn't I? in our trailer. And then the other yeah. day I said, eat the bird to somebody uh, when I was driving. <laughs> so, and I flipped them off. So, and I do that too sometimes. So I think bird-like energy is, is very feminine. It's like a divine feminine calling, call to action to just speak what's on your mind. Let it go. Let sure. it out. Yeah. You know what? I just realized that Athena's owl was said to be a kind like, was able to see for her with its eyes, kind of. <gasps> so that oh. is almost as if Athena's owl is a surveillance system. Which oh, ties sure. back into the birds aren't real conspiracy. And, and so now Hera, the question she must is, have gotten that from Hera. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, are all these birds actually birds? I don't know. I, I mean, I... I I I think it's pretty clear. I've done my own research on Wikipedia, and I've come to the conclusion that they're just not. I think I for sure. I know in my my own personal beliefs and practice, birds are at least to some extent spiritual emissaries. I think that they do fill that role on occasion. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. in general, we. Or not we, but like most people kind of visualize deities as being like in the sky unless otherwise noted with a different domain. So, or angels have wings. Yeah, Everything exactly. Is winged. So, but really, sure. angels are just, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm getting it. It's very Hera, it's very peacocks, it's very eyeballs. Angels' original <laughs> depiction was actually, aren't they just like these these clusters there's, of six giant wings There's like in different eyeballs? types of angels, I believe, and some of them are absolutely horrifying, yeah. like flying <laughs> wheels with... Yeah, with eyes. With blinding light and things, yeah. So the, the angel with a million eyes, I believe, was uh, Samael. Uh, and he was like known as the destroyer um, and would essentially be the one that was the like judgment after you died. Mm. So and if you had an impure soul, he would like sever it with his flame sword. So again, oh with, like gosh. the kind of underworld psychopomp type connection also with birds. Interestingly, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, Horus is sometimes depicted as a winged sun disc hovering above the ruling pharaoh's head in portraits of the pharaoh.
Well, interestingly enough, also the same angel with like the million eyes. Um, and I'm like, I'm like 99.89% sure that it's Samael, but whatever. Um, don't judge me. My catechism was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> my like Catholic school days. Um, but that was the angel that was then like cast out of heaven and rebranded as the devil. So uh, it's very interesting how that once the one that was like the judge became the one that was the most judged. Yeah. Ellipsis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, for and sure. owls. One more. One more thing to tie into the Samhain episode. Many people, when abducted, frequently see owls just before abduction. Oh, which is, I think, also from Twin Peaks, because there is a component of, like, when Major Briggs gets, uh, has his, like, abduction kind of thing, where he sees the bright light, and then Mm -hmm. it's, like, owls, and then Coop gets, like, this thing where it's, like, the owls are not what they seem over and over again, it's, like, a printout. Um, Are we secretly living in Twin Peaks? Is that where you're, (laughs) is that why I'm here? Is that what you're talking about? I mean, it's I think everyone is, you know, now you have the, um, especially now it's a nuclear (laughs) disaster. Yeah. And everything. Which is not fun. I mean, I, I hope not, you know. I don't live in that timeline, so that is not happening with me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is Psyche and Rose from the future, and I just couldn't let a discussion of owls slip by without mentioning La Lechuza, a barn owl witch in Mexican and Texano folk tales. Reading from eSpookyTales.com, the legend of La Lechuza is one that can be heard all over Mexico. It is said that a lechuza, or owl, specifically a white owl, is a bruja or witch that has taken the form of this owl. It is seven feet tall and has a wingspan of 15 feet. Although it is an owl, it is said to have the face of an old woman. According to most variations of the legend, the lechuza was once a woman who was wronged and now seeks revenge. Sometimes villagers killed her child. Other times the child was killed by a drunk and she is known to attack drunkards. Some other versions of the legend tell that the witch herself was killed by locals and came back to seek revenge. Depending on where you hear the tale, the lechuza is sometimes just one bruja, but in other places any bruja can become this giant owl. It is a witch that has sold her soul to the devil, and they transform at night. Legend says that the cry of a lechuza mimics the cry of a baby or whistles, and they use it to lure you outside, to take you and make you their meal. Sometimes the cry of the lechuza is said to be an omen of death. If you hear it, a family member will die. Some say dreaming of the lechuza is also an omen of death. The lechuza is so big that it can carry a grown adult in its talons. The lechuza is said to bring storms with it and cannot be harmed by guns. It is also said to prey on human emotions, often appearing during domestic disputes and waiting for her victim to storm outside. 
In some versions of the legend, the Lechusa only preys on adult men, drunks specifically, but in others, the Lechusa craves the blood of newborn babies, and especially unbaptized babies. It's common to be told, do not whistle three times at midnight, for it is an invitation for the Lechusa. It is said the Lechusa has swooped down on cars and can travel at the same speed. According to legend, salt can protect against it, and many put salt on their windows at night for protection. If you see it, you should also cuss her out to drive it away, but other versions of the legend say that this may make it more angry, so be wary of this one. Tying a rope of seven knots and hanging it on your door will also protect you, since it is a sign of acknowledgement and respect toward the Lechusa. Some say praying can also save you. Specifically, the Magnifica, a prayer from the Gospel of St. Luke, but it must be recited in Spanish and also backwards. So I want to talk about um, shit, getting shit on by birds, <laughs> getting pooped on by birds. If a bird poops on you or anything you own, anyone heard that one? It's such it's a good one. Yeah. I've been yeah. pooped on on my head multiple <gasps> Me times. Me too, when I was before. a kid. Yeah, I was yeah. walking. And all of a sudden I felt something. I thought it was an acorn. These girls behind <laughs> me were laughing. And I was like, whatever. And I kept walking. And then I get into the car and my mom's like, you've got something on your head. And it was <laughs> bird poop. And I said, oh. And yeah, You're I don't remember. <laughs> Your mom transformed into Moira Rose dressed as a crow, and she was like, you have something <laughs> on did. your head. She did. And then she, did um, <laughs> she, she chewed up some, uh, some worms and uh, spat them out at the girls who were laughing at me. And then we flew up into a nest, um, and we started shitting on everyone. And that's how I got here. You've got only a 1.14% chance of being hit by bird poop in New York City. I've that, never been pooped on. But that is... Uh, so, yeah, listen, Psychea, <laughs> the 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 astronomical odds of being hit bullseye right on the noggin with a clump of bird dung is really out of this world. You know and what? I mean, it was also, when was this? Like 2011? And I mm. was working in Philadelphia. I was out doing dog walking visits. And mm -hmm. it was like Christmas. It was Christmas Day. That was a blessing from like the <laughs> witch crown. That was a blessing from Frau Halle, I think. That was like a winter blessing. Perhaps. Mine, I remember, took place right by this little bridge by my school where it was like right down the road and I was walking past it. And I remember these beautiful shiny leaves were all over the... It was only much later on after I had a rash that I discovered it was poison ivy. So it was a double <laughs> win. Not, I didn't get the poison ivy that time, but I was admiring those plants. Oh, they're shiny. 
And then come to find out years later, Poison Ivy. So I think I was probably blessed by, I don't know what Poison Ivy is. Um, they were just trying to let you to. know that it was Poison Ivy. It was a message from the divine. They it were was like, a, don't touch yeah. that. <laughs> probably. They were probably trying to veer me away from it. And then she so, was like, I'm going to do it anyway. You don't tell me. <laughs> I'm actually not allergic to poison ivy, so I didn't, I didn't really get like a yeah. huge rash or anything. I just had like a little bit of itching by my finger, but that was the, it never developed into anything major. Yeah. This is a lesson also for listeners. If you don't Witches know, are immune to poison ivy. <laughs> if you don't know what something is, don't use it for any kind of you know, like smoke wand type purposes, because if you inhale, you can actually, or even if you're just doing yard work or something and you decide to burn some brush, if you do burn poison ivy, it, it becomes a smoke, which you can then inhale and people get poison ivy in their throats and their esophaguses and stuff. And it's, it's not, it's not good. Noted. That's not good, yeah. I don't hate the idea, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Especially depending on who we're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, um, and po- poison ivy being burned is a perfect example of poison, air, uh, that same kind of, like, thought, air. Uh, well, I'm just piecing random shit together at this point, like a jigsaw <laughs> puzzle. What do you say? We bring out those mystagoggle dancers again. I think they're doing a tribute to Fozzie Bear uh, this time. You they're, go, girl. They're doing that, love it. that flamingo mating dance where they all yeah kind of, the, like, on the one leg. I love that one. And I like that the one is dressed like a peacock. Just the one. Oh, she's fabulous. We love her. The, and the white peacock is going young. help. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she's eighty-seven years young. That's Wanda Marie. We love her. And uh, she's 87 years young, loves to dance, loves to scream for help. Oh, did you guys see the... I'm sorry, this is completely off topic. But (laughs) um, uh, there's this old woman who's like kind of viral right now. And she's like dancing to Cardi B. And she's like really dancing hard, like like (laughs) hip hop. Like when it's up, then it's up, then it's and I was like, this bitch, like she's got, she's got it. <laughs> oh, good for her! I, I love seeing Crohn's get wild. Yeah, that would be her video if she was on one. Crohn's go oh, wild. Oh, that's great. She's not like form the corn, form, form the corn. <laughs> no, <laughs> like not at all. Like the avocado dance woman. Ah, uh, wait, what's the avocado dance? Do you know the avocado dance? It's Dr. Jean, I believe. Is she the sex therapist? She's, she's like, peel the banana. Peel, peel the banana. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need to watch this. It's one of my favorite things on the planet. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I think that... We should peel, peel the banana. It's like musical and... enrichment for, I I think, young children. Um, oh, and the idea is, like, okay. if you if you get up and you do a dance and you sing every day, it, like, activates certain types of brain cells 
in a certain way. So she has this series of videos that are designed to help small children learn. But instead, I think mostly people in their 30s <laughs> sit and watch them. <laughs> we love it. I mean, I get up every day and I the first thing I say to myself is, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> So, in terms of, like, programming, I think it works. The first thing that you think is, form the corn, form, form the corn. That'll be the last <laughs> thing I think before I go to bed tonight, for sure. <laughs> You're gonna just hear Psychia coming in loud and clear in a psychic frequency. Form the corn, form, form the corn. Oh my God. Yeah, and of course, I will be seeing the Mr. Goggle Dancers. <laughs> yes, we love them. We love them. I think um, that you, Jennifer Lopez used to be one of your Mr. Goggle fans. Yeah, dancers. she was. She was. We got her before Living Color did. Yeah. And uh, we've got uh, Dame Judy Dench over there. And she's, Judy's telling me she's going to dress up as the corn on the cob for the next episode. <laughs> it, oh, Judy, you're so full of beans. We love you, though. Oh, my gosh. Well, take us out, girls. Farm the corn, farm, farm the corn. <laughs> That's how you sing yourself out of every episode, apparently. <laughs> we, it's just something we like to do, you know. <laughs> how does the avocado the part go? I don't remember. I think she even has a part where she's like, shuck the corn, <laughs> shuck, <laughs> shuck the corn. What's the difference between form the corn and shuck the corn? <laughs> no one can actually see in the in the episode, but the form the corn part, I'll just show you. It goes like, form the corn, form, form the corn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I, I mean, I'm Highly thinking... recommended enrichment for your brain and your body and your soul, really. And your digestive system. <laughs> well, doesn't corn like not have any nutrient val nutritious value and I think it depends not... like if you combine it with certain things, you know? Like, yeah. If you combine it with like beans, then it's a complete protein, that kind of thing. I like popcorn. Oh, oh my gosh. <gasps> yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. I wonder if the crows like popcorn. Ooh. That's if I were out. a crow, I feel like I would like popcorn. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't eat popcorn every day, but I do eat popcorn. A good portion of it, too. I haven't had popcorn in a minute. I need fucking popcorn in my life. I do air pop popcorn. Ooh. And well, Juno <laughs> used to be a, a chef, and yeah. he used to learn all these tricks of the trade to make delicious Oh, I remember food. now. Mm. When... I, uh, so Alicia Silverstone, she actually does that to her kid. She chews up, or like when her kid was a baby, she used to chew the baby's food and then like put it in their mouth. Isn't that the whole point of baby that food is, is that it's the pureed already? That's how they, you know, how I think humans did it in, um, indigenous societies, you know, back in the old days. Yeah. And maybe there might be some communities that still do that. Because mm. that's how, I mean, yeah, you chew up the food and then that's how you feed your infant. Much like the mama bird kind of gargles up <laughs> the collection of insects and things into the baby's mouth. 
I love the verbiage you use. Mm. <laughs> Baby Binks, what's going on? And on Otis that note... doesn't like that we're talking about so many birds. He doesn't like them. Um, Would you like to have him speak on them? I know sometimes he's... Uh, Otis does speak sometimes, so let me see if I can channel him. Otis, baby. Baby, talk to mama. What are you saying? Talk to mama. Oh, my gosh. What are you saying, baby? Shelby, drink your juice. Otis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. He he doesn't like birds. He finds them irritating. But he is a cat, so I feel like he's got a little bit of a... some issues that he needs to work on with that because you, you know. introduce him to a ostrich as we discussed <laughs> no my poor boy <laughs> no I'm just kidding so that is uh, what we have on birds we hope you've enjoyed this episode we've enjoyed putting it together for you and flying into your care. Thank you yeah, so, thanks much, so much, Juno. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experiences and things with us. It was really fascinating. Yeah, I will visit any time. Maybe especially, I mean, this is a far projection, but uh, next year, Three Which Way is putting on a tarot seminar in New Jersey where we're going to have people stay at an Airbnb situation for a weekend, and we're going to teach mm-hmm. all about tarot for the weekend. So I'd love to talk about tarot sometime. Really fun. I wish I And could we go. haven't done a cardomancy episode, so that might be in the cards at ah. some point. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. For sure. Well, well uh, uh, like we, we like to close out our episodes by saying beware and be well. And we each take a turn saying it. Yeah, so if then you'd like, like to yeah. join us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, so we'll go first and then you just follow our lead and you'll take us out the mystagoggle dancers will come out judy has her corn suit with the rhinestones we're ready let's do this (laughs) okay beware and be well beware and be well beware and be well very nice Yay, Juno, you did your first mystical episode! (laughs) Where my owls at and where my gals at and to the fellas Where my pounds at, I know you found that Nocturnal's about that, sleep through the darkness Now let me get a soul clap, uh Now let me get a soul clap And let me hear you say Hello, it's Coffee Talk with LaBerne for the Clan. Come on here, sit down, grab a brew, join my crew. I'm hoping you don't think that I am preachy or pompous. I could promise you my intention was the opposite. Cause see, I don't have much to like, uh, how when I'll tell you how I lost my mind and then I got it back with the soul. And it's true because we thought it. Burn the incense, wake the drone, down tone, get them in the zone. Cause birds of a feather can fuck through any weather. And I think it better than um, what, what's that? Penguin? 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 Penguin?
bird poop? Did you know? Switching up the positions on you. Do you want me to leave this sneeze in or edit this sneeze out? I don't know. It's up to you. I'm not going to have another one, though. I have. I told myself just now I'm not going to do it, and I'm not going to do it. She was a sorceress and like a witch and blah, 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 blah. All day. The Partridge family. Me, the Partridge's Nora family. Disgust. It's a surprise. Yeah. I know you found that. I turn on the bell. Oh, I love that. Horny to the point of distraction. <laughs> where it was Mama, like, I know that. Form the corn, <laughs> form, form the corn. All day. It'll come back to me, or it won't. Either way, it's fine. Oh, partridges are birds, I think. Yeah, they're birds. Yeah, they're birds. 